Hey guys, welcome to episode 6 of the Daily Hustle podcast. Today I'm here with Beth Parker. Hello, hello. Uh, we're in the Breakthrough Fitness um, gym at the moment. Basically, this facility is where Beth coaches and is a PT. Beth, how are you today? I'm good, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. No worries. So, basically, today our goal is to go deeper into Beth's past as an athlete and then go into more, uh, I guess, what she does now as a coach. Um, so, Beth. Talk me through what you've done in terms of competing. I know that you competed at a very young age. How old were you when you first started? My first comp I was 16. I think I just turned 16. It was uh, May or June in 2015. No, yeah, 2015, May or June, something around there. Yeah, yeah. so I was 16 years old when I started powerlifting. Um, but before that, I joined a gym when I was about 12. Mm. Um, so I've been training for like the better half of a decade, which is exciting to look at. So That's mad. So you started when you were... Or was that 12 or 13? 12, yeah, I think it was in year 8 at school, so I would have been 12. Yeah. Okay, and then why did you decide to start to go to the gym at such a young age? For me, I was always interested in fitness. Uh, my dad always had a gym at home. He would always, uh, he actually does martial arts, but he always did strength yeah. training. Yeah. So he was always like in the gym at home doing stuff, and I just wanted to be in there lifting weights. And yeah. as I got older, I always just wanted to join a gym. I just thought that it was like something to do. Like I always viewed gym as a sport. Yeah. Um, and then from there, once I joined a gym, I finally convinced my parents. It was like just along like the way home from school, which yeah. was so lucky. So they let me go there after school and then catch yeah. the bus home after that once I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and I mainly joined just because it was going to help some of the imbalances that I had from throwing. So I did uh, shot put and javelin for, I, I represented New South Wales for that. Okay. Um, I think I came, I can't remember if I came fifth or sixth at nationals for javelin or Mad. something like that. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I represented New South Wales for that. I yeah. had like a lot of right shoulder issues. Like I was mm. just getting like pain through my right side. My left side was becoming a little bit visibly like dropped down as well. Right. So just underdeveloped and then I joined the gym in the hopes of improving that mm -hmm. and then ended up finding a sport that gives me more imbalances, which is good. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, quite ironic. But basically in terms of your javelin and shot put uh, athletics, I guess, yeah. how old when you first started that? I did little athletics from when I was a kid. So right. um, it would have been year four or five at school. Maybe I was like eight. Yeah. Um, it was like a Friday night thing. You go mm. there and you like... Go, go do your athletics it's like a social thing everyone yeah. like hangs out after like a lot of my friends from primary school were doing it as well so mm. that, that was from a really young age as well okay yeah. cool and so were your parents very supportive of you competing in athletics you said that you had to convince your parents to go to the gym yeah so what was that sort of like I think the gym the gym concern was mainly just like the the whole misconception about training when young is bad for your growth and all that sort of stuff right. like I think they were just undereducated on that side of things mm. Which is not necessarily true, which I'm happy to dive into a bit later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was like the main concern. And also, I think just being in the public, you don't know what gym they're going to join, what influence people will have on you and right. that sort of stuff. So yeah. I think their main concern for that was just making sure I was in the right environment, doing the right things. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to be swayed the wrong way these days. And yeah. I see it a lot like young kids just being pushed in the wrong direction with training. So, mm. you know, I can see why they were concerned, which is always a good thing. Um, yeah. But no, they, they had no doubt once I explained to them what I wanted to do with powerlifting and even... Once I explained like whole like weight training and stuff like that, they're like, yeah, you know, like we, we know you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, they didn't have any concern with uh, athletics. When I, when I was competing in athletics, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I've always had that like I have to win mentality. <laughs> yeah. So I've always been like really upset, even if I did well and like yeah. what's next, what next, like mm -hmm. what am I doing next? Yeah. And um, their only concern was how seriously I was taking it, even at that uh, young, really? young age. Yeah. yeah. So they, they like pushed me to go see like a sports psychologist at a young age right. and like, just make sure I had the right sort of like approach to training, yeah, right. uh, which at the time I didn't really understand, but now I see, I think like it's very valuable, the approach yeah. that they gave me. It was a bit more sustainable in the powerlifting. It got yeah. like pretty crazy when I was younger and uh -huh. I really wanted just to like win athletics and stuff like that. But yeah, um, yeah cause they did that. It made me a better athlete by the time I found powerlifting mm. and then even better coach now after all that I've been through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you mentioned your dad was a martial artist. Were both your parents involved in a lot of athletics and sports as well? Um, did you have siblings? Do you have any siblings at the moment? Yeah, I've got yeah. an older brother. He did athletics and stuff as well. He yeah. also did martial arts with my dad. Okay. I wasn't really allowed to do the martial arts because oh, that right. was like my brother's thing and uh, we were very competitive. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, don't so be we weren't brother, allowed to like cross worlds or anything. It was like, <laughs> that's your brother's thing and this is your thing. Yeah. And you guys can be separate because it was always a big competition. Oh. Um, we're very close in age too, so we're only like two years apart. Yeah, right. So it was very competitive. Okay. 
but yeah he he did martial arts with my dad uh, my mom's just very active like she loves walking uh she does at least like 5ks a day Whoa. when she gets home from work like yeah. just something like keeps her moving and stuff like that because mm-hmm. um, she works in an office at the moment so yep. she's sitting down a lot so making sure that she's always moving she's always been very active and i can just remember like when we were kids it was always like let's go like walk around Parramatta park for the day or whatever yeah, like just be active or ride our bikes or whatever it yeah, was right. I think just as long as we were moving, they were happy. Yeah. And that was like the big thing that pushed towards, I would say, some of the uh, nurture side of why I was so successful, mm-hmm. um, as well as there's a very big nature side with the way I'm built and stuff like that. But yeah, the nurture side was very important from them, yeah. which they didn't even realize at the time. Yeah, so they were big influences in terms of getting you active yeah. and you just sort of fell into certain things. So you fell into athletics because I was just there for you. Yeah. And then you went to the gym mainly because you wanted to fix up all those balances in athletics. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that it's even like just falling into what you're good at. Like mm, athletics, true. you have like such a wide variety of things that you do. I could. I was actually all right at the sprints. Anything mm. long distance, anything over a hundred meters, no way. But yeah. the, the sprint, for some reason, I could do really well. I think yeah. just like the fast twitch sort of fibers, not non endurance base yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. And that you just steer towards what you're good at. I think these yeah. days. So like That's you true. always you you do something you enjoy, but then within that enjoyment, you kind of like stick to what you know. Well, yeah, of course. Like if you're good at it, then you'll enjoy it, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And so in terms of um, your training, then what was going through your mind in terms of trying to fix up imbalances? Like I know a lot of people when they are even even at an older age when they are training they don't even think about imbalances they just sort of train yeah and so what was making you think about oh i've got to fix imbalances i've got to make sure that you know my left shoulder is the same as my right and all that was it more like a physical appearance thing or was it more like you're feeling Um, no like i definitely felt it i was seeing physio at the time i have and i still have it my external rotation on my right side is uh way more over developed in my left yeah um so i have that imbalance where i'm always like favoring external rotation on my right shoulder that's mm. just from like your throwing patterns so opening up the shoulder and getting that external rotation yeah i was seeing a physio for treating my trap because the lower trap was not getting worked as hard as the upper trap in some situations mm-hmm. and even my um subscap and my serratus were a little bit beat up from extension and, yep. and impact and stuff like that especially with javelin because you're kind of leaning in as you throw so you're mm. getting that impact as you land yeah. and you're in that weird external rotation position it's uh-huh. very stressful to like that last uh, big step that you're taking yeah um so i was definitely feeling it i was seeing a physio just a local physio that were like a family physio no one in particular yeah but she was very useful okay. and i still saw her up until it got like a bit more serious with powerlifting and i kind of had to look into a bit more sports specific mm. um, but she was just kind of like hey i think uh training would definitely help uh, yeah, i right. don't think there's a bad way to approach it as long as you're doing a mix of like single arm and bilateral work well she just explained it as like single arm and double arm you know like keeping it <laughs> yeah. i was only like 12, 12 at, the time, yeah. at the time yeah right and it was just funny because like I, I couldn't really mess it up because I just went to this gym. Everyone trained uh, arms on or like chest on Monday, so I did that. <laughs> everyone trained back on Tuesday, so I did that. Yeah. Literally just got there and I just started following what other people were doing. Yeah. Then after a while, I was just like researching on YouTube, like what what do I enjoy? Like I took yeah. the things that I enjoyed, which are of course squat, bench, and deadlift. Did I was like, s- Did you start at the gym by yourself? I joined with a friend. Same but, age. Um, pardon. Same age. Yeah, she was around the same age as me, but it was more like we joined together, but they did the cardio classes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah like so they were, they were definitely more like in the cardio side of things. Yeah. And whenever we did weights together, it was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I can go this heavy, blah, blah, mm, blah. Right. So yeah, it was just more like us focusing on getting to the gym together. And then once we were there, we kind of like diversified into what we wanted to do and then yeah. caught the bus home together or something okay. like that. In terms of that gym, I know a lot of gyms have age limits now, mm. like 15 or 16 yeah. would be the age limit that gym was chill about it or like what was the deal there well i had to sign up with my parents so okay. they had to sign and say that it was fine yeah um yeah I, well, this gym's pretty dodged so i, I wouldn't <laughs> put it past them to be like this is just happening all the time yeah right uh, i ended up working there not long after oh, i no started way. powerlifting so yeah. when i went to leave that gym they offered me a job as a reception and that was great at the time but they yeah. were so dodgy underpaying me and like, <laughs> okay yeah, let's no, not mention that gym <laughs> yeah we, we don't mention that gym but yeah it, it was it was so dodgy so uh, like yeah. i wouldn't put it past them that there was like no laws around that fair enough wow okay cool let's talk about your transition into powerlifting then you mentioned before that you were doing research and you're just falling into things that you're enjoying did it come from your own research online or someone like hey you know you should look into powerlifting or what was that yeah it was kind of more like i I re- actually really liked bodybuilding. Like, really liked it. Yeah. Um, I, the, all the things I was looking at, they were, like, um, just kind of, like, media head, like, bodybuilder guys. Like, I remember, like, I was watching, like, Geordie Shaw and then Joel Corey would <laughs> yeah. post, like, bodybuilding videos. Yeah. And, like, not that I really, like, liked how he looked or anything because that's really not what it was about. But yeah. it was more like, I saw this guy on TV. He obviously got results. Yeah. I could appreciate his process. Uh-huh. 
Um, so I was just kind of like, I would look at these videos of like personalities training and stuff like that. Mm, I see. But the underlying factor was always like, you always squat on leg day. You always yeah. do deadlifts. Like I was always like a compound happening every right, day. Right, okay. Yep. So no matter what I was doing, I always, I like didn't really know what I was doing in terms mm. of the frequency, but I was always training my compounds at least twice a week. Okay. Obviously we know that we can do bench a little bit more than that now and all that, like all that sort of stuff. But yep. yeah, like I was always underlying factor that there was compounds at the start of my day and then I would smash myself with accessories. Mm -hmm. For a while, I was just kind of like hitting maxes all the time. <laughs> like, you know, like just yeah, just yeah. really bad um, sort of just approach into it. But then I started to feel it and worked on a little bit of a process. I used to do like every month, kind of like build up to something heavy. Okay, so Again, like four week blocks yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah well, like not not necessarily the best sort of system, but it, it worked. So yeah. you know how bad can it be if it worked? I and I think at a young age as well, your body just takes it. Like yeah. your body is so adaptable and flexible at, at an, a young age. Were there any parts of training that you shied away from? Um, do you feel? Did you feel like? Hey, what was that? Cardio. Cardio. <laughs> Cardio. Um, did you feel like being a female in a gym affected you anyway? Did you feel like you were like shy or anything? How, how how did that go with you? Initially, like when we signed up, I think that's why we all signed up as friends because we wanted to like support each other and get yeah, right. into the, the gym floor. Mm. The the gym that I was at, the gym that we do not name. Um, it, it was um, very bodybuilding focused. Like it yep. was quite the mecca at the time around the hills area. Okay. And it, was, it could be intimidating on the floor, but yeah. at least in my mind, I started to get like, I, I just started to realize that it was what I wanted to do. And I didn't really care about like what other people were looking at. Awesome, yeah. Um, and I think also what tied down to it is I started to like make friends there, which made it a little bit more comfortable. Okay. And that's, that's always that the environment will help you push a little bit further. Yeah. Once I got comfortable, I didn't have an issue, but yeah. my friends definitely still felt the felt the issues and self-conscious and all mm. that sort of stuff. It's still in my mind, like I'll even go to like a world gym at the moment, like at peak hour. I went there, I've never been to the world gym that I train at, at yeah. nighttime. Yeah. Went there recently at 5 p.m., this is literally on Monday. Yeah. Um, and like initially I walk in and I just see like a fucking zoo of people. I'm just going to swear. Sorry. I just see like this zoo like, of people. And I was like, oh man, like I really just don't want to be here. But then once I start training, I just forget everyone's there. Yeah. Like yeah. it's really not in the back of my mind. But I don't think that sort of stuff goes, especially as a female. Because yeah. like, there's so many guys. Mm. You never like even self-consciously like you're thinking like I'm wearing shorts for my comfort. But people are looking like all that sort of stuff. Unfortunately, yeah. that's the reality of the situation. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean like that, that sort of stuff. It it kind of winded out as I got a little bit more confident with my own abilities mm. and also just really channeled into why I wanted to be there. It wasn't for other people, it was for myself. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really awesome. I think a lot of people, when they first start, they get caught, caught in the sort of like, oh, like, are people judging me? Are people looking at me? Um, and I think it's really tough for people who can't break out of it because they don't get comfortable and they go for like one, two weeks and they never come back to the gym. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what would your best advice be for people who are starting I know you were mentioning a lot of just, you know, focusing on yourself and focusing on anything. But yeah, what would your best advice be for people who are starting, who you know, may be female and being uncomfortable and stuff? I think having a friend there is so important. Like, mm. if I didn't, like, I, I can tell you now, like, I wouldn't have signed up. I would have signed up to a gym eventually. Yep. But I wouldn't have been at that time, the right place, right time in my mind, mm. um, if I didn't have a group of people who did it with me. So yeah. if you can rope someone into it, even if it's just like, you know, getting Rock into the gym, going, like, sitting next to each other on the treadmill or some shit, yeah. that's, you're still moving more than before. Yeah. You slowly start to settle into the environment. You start to talk to people. You start to notice people and, mm. like, whatever it is that that whole effect just snowballs just from you starting yeah um so where you can it would just be to initiate going in um the second thing like i guess for people who were taking it a bit seriously would be just remember why you're doing it mm. and, and don't get caught up in what's happening in the process sometimes yep. there's like the bigger picture you need to rely back on and i know like i'm guilty of that even with like my nutrition training at the moment I just forgot why I was tracking my macros. And then yeah. my coach is like, no, 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 remember, like you just want to focus on the things you can do, yep. build up that ability. And, and the things you can do right now, you can move, you can stand up, you can walk, you can lift things. If you focus on the things you can do when you start off at the gym, you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, for sure, that's awesome. Cool, now let's talk about competing and powerlifting itself. When Did you get a coach straight away when you first started or was it when you started getting more serious that you are like, okay, I should look into getting a coach? Yeah, I think I, um, when I was at the bodybuilding gym, I didn't have any guidance. It was just like, I remember I had the notes on my, like I, I didn't even have a phone, it was like an iPod. <laughs> I had it like, yeah, written out yeah. like chest, back, legs, like yep. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, when someone caught me doing 60 kilos for like five by five one day and Bench. they were like, I was 15. Were you benching? Yeah, yeah, benching. Oh shit, yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then yeah, they were just like, you got to, um, you got to look at this sport. You got to like Google it. They were they were trying to like tell me about weightlifting, and I was like, 
No, there's, there's got to be like, I don't want to do weightlifting. I think, I, like, I would never do anything overhead. So, yeah. like, this is just not. Was it just because you didn't feel comfortable doing that or? Just didn't really know. Okay, like, yeah. I'm yeah. glad I didn't snatch it that age. I had yeah. no idea what I, I was doing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It would have been so bad. Yeah. I'm so glad that I didn't. Uh-huh. Um, at least not with guidance anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just Googled powerlifting. The first thing I kind of Googled was the records and stuff like that because that to me was like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it properly. Yeah, the fucking record. <laughs> I was already two from three. No, three from three on the record. No, three from four because there's the total record as well. So yeah. I didn't have the deadlift record initially, but okay. I had the squat bench and the total. Without even any coaching? Without even coaching, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> so okay. then I was like, all right, like, I should probably I just Google powerlifting and then found Adonis, uh-huh. um, which was conveniently lo- like located kind of near home, but closer to school. Yep. So was, I could walk there from school. Okay. Um, and I did do a few times, but sometimes I like, by the time I got to year 11 and 12, I just scab lifts and stuff like that. And then once I got my license, yeah. but yeah, joined Adonis, went in there. They had, well, I told Carlos was there. I think when I arrived with my dad, cause my dad was like, I want to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, was your dad very protective of you? I think it's the same thing like just don't want to fall into the wrong environment yeah right fair enough and like I look at other powerlifting gyms and it very could have easily been that way I guess yeah like depending on who owns the gym and their their morals and and their foundation stuff like that yeah Uh, but yeah they came in there and then I think the main gist was like are you guys taking gear like all that sort of stuff (laughs) Um, luckily you know it was like a really safe environment there was heaps of people there I think when I I walked in the best part for me was like house music was playing like (laughs) like good stereosonic 2012 vibe was playing and I was like I already want to sign up yeah told Carlos what I could do already and he was like no nah, I don't believe you come back tomorrow let's see what you can do because he didn't I, believe you yeah I think he just expected like half squats and yeah well the deadlift was shitty so let's let's be real like, the deadlift <laughs> was rounded back so yeah, yeah. yeah that was bad okay fair. um but yeah he, I don't think he expected it to be like you know always touching the chest for the bench and stuff like that yep came back the next day showed him what I could do I think it was like a 115 squat uh wow. a 70 kilo bench and then sure. a one. 25 or 130 deadlift something like that yeah. and literally like that day i remember it was like sign up for pa buy this soft suit buy this belt buy these knees oh sleeves. shit yeah <laughs> so it was like you gotta day. compete like you gotta compete right yeah, now it was an expensive day for my parents wow and um, what are your parents like what are your parents saying well i think they they had that conversation with them and i think like the carlos and will from adonis at the time they mm. i think they explained the significance of what was happening yeah right um, and not to mention, I was just kind of like, I really want to join. Like, this yeah. place is cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, I like, got, the, got all the gear, had no idea. And three months later, oh, yeah, I competed. No yeah, literally no idea. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I remember my soft suit was, like, way too big. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I ordered a pair of ROM 2s, which I, in my mind, I was like, this is a stupid shoe. And now yeah. it's, like, the most expensive shoe in weightlifting because yeah. no one has ROM 2s anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I competed in my first comp. I loved it. How um, long were you from joining the... How long did it take from joining that gym, joining Adonis, to competing? Three months. Whoa! Yeah, okay. it was as soon as possible. And I remember that was the last comp before the last qualification for Junior Nationals. Right. So it was the last comp available. Um, if you didn't do that comp, you couldn't do Junior Nats that year, and then you couldn't compete overseas that year, yep. and the next year after, and okay. stuff like that. So it was very, like, deadline, like, just made it. Wow. I remember I actually missed the initial first round entry for that comp yeah and we had to like ring up and be like look you gotta let this girl do it like blah blah blah. like Mm. it wasn't me it was like my coaches and stuff yeah yeah luckily i got in that was john and greta who owns city strength they let me in and i'm forever grateful because that was like a very good experience to go and do the first comp Uh within that first comp i did 145 squat that Mm. was high bar again no Mm. idea what i was doing still (laughs) i benched 92 and a half wow 87 i missed 92 how old were you 16 at the time 16 yeah so my bench went up like 20 kilos from when i like yeah and then um deadlifted 172.5 i think yeah so the deadlift went up like a good 40 50 kilos in three months yeah that's crazy and then um yeah broke i had all unofficial records there i had heaps of people just being like what where did you come yeah, from, where this bitch <laughs> come <laughs> what from? Is happening? yeah um and from there i competed that year i competed four times from wow junior it was like a big year yeah and then cooled off a bit the next year did three comps mm. mainly just from there i mainly did the qualifications i needed and junior nationals and like in- international comps yeah tried to keep it minimal mm-hmm. so just how many international comps did you do during that time i did i went to uzbekistan for oceanas that year the year after i went to Colleen, texas four worlds and then i had oceans again that year which was 2017 no 2016 that was in new zealand mm. the following year i went to belarus for worlds yep so yeah four four times overseas so this was when you were 16 17 yeah at that age how did you feel being 
a, like an athlete competing internationally. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the best. It gives me chills, man. I'm like, I've got chills right now just like hearing about it and thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. I honestly like, it was the best thing because well, now it was like, it took my mind off school. I had no stress about school or anything, which is kind of a good thing because I got to year 12 and I didn't feel that pressure. I did like okay in my HSC. Like yeah. I, I didn't fail. Okay. Um, I was happy with my mark for the effort that I put in. Mm. But yeah, like I love just the fact that I could tell people I've gone to these countries yeah. and done these things. Like yeah. I don't know anyone that's been to Uzbekistan who's not a weightlifter. And I think only one other coach here um, has been to Uzbek for lifting before. Yeah. And like, that's the only other person I know other yeah. than those people that were on that trip. How, how, what were your friends thinking at that time? Were they like, dude, like what the fuck's going on? Like you just, you joined a gym and then all of a sudden you're overseas competing. Yeah, I don't think they fully understood what was happening yeah. because I, I remember out of the school friends, only one came to watch me which was in a Sydney Expo comp, which is fair enough because I was like local comp and you could get there. And that yep. was like the fitness expo so you could see a lot of things. Mm. It was mainly external friends that came and watched me. Like I know... Um, like friends you met at the gym and stuff. Yeah, my friend Josh Saunders who runs HPU Coaching. Yep. Um, he's a G, he came to my first comp and I yeah. still like, I keep in contact with him. We're wow. always talking about upskilling and stuff like that. But yep. it was mainly external friends. The school friends, they just they were caught up in their own stuff. Yeah, right. And like with school friends as well, like not bagging them up, I, I, I never really connected with many people from school. Okay. So I went That's there, fair. I had friends, like don't get me wrong, I still had friends. I had, I had friends. Yeah, like I had friends and like they, they were great and like I am forever grateful that I got to just sit with people and share experiences with them during school through those easy, dumb years. Um, yeah. But I don't think they ever fully understood and I've had a few people who I've run into from school, they kind of like, get it now. They were like, holy shit, like you were actually doing things. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, I was just, um, you know, competing internationally, but that's all right, yeah. it's chill. <laughs> that was like, yeah, but the, the school itself, like they also were upset because I stopped competing in athletics. So uh, they got a bit grumpy that I wasn't helping. Were you the like their token child, like competing in athletics and like representing the school and stuff? Yeah, well, that was mainly because, you know, you go to the zone carnivals. I wasn't like hard flex at zone or like the school carnivals and like just doing the best I could. Yeah. I waited till I got to a certain point and then I like switched it on because there's no point in me throwing hard at like school carnival. Yeah, yeah, right, right. right. Um, just enough to like qualify. Yeah, yeah. And then once you get to like regional, like <clears> I think, again, people didn't really understand that like once you get to a certain point, you have to try a little bit harder because I did want to go to nationals for that. Yeah. So, yeah, when I told the school in year 11 that I was like, okay, I'm doing this lifting stuff, I'm not doing athletics, they were like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, they like, oh, you're not representing our school anymore. I was like, probably not. Yeah, all right. I'm just enough. doing other things, though. You can talk about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did they talk about you lifting? Yeah, they did. The The school was pretty supportive. And, like, even in year 12, they let me have time off. It was like... Um, wow leave because i remember when i went to uh, belarus that was just during hsc trials or mm -hmm. just before mm. i flew straight back home went straight back to school All right, so um, it was like three days or something and yeah after america i had a bit of a break off and I, I relaxed for a week after but um yeah belarus i just went straight back home yep had to jump back in study for trials but they were really good about it they didn't let it affect my attendance because it was like obviously for an event and yeah. yeah it was something that i wanted to do mm. um so yeah the school was good about it but yeah they just got a bit upset they got a bit cut i think yeah <laughs> Fair enough. And so basically you competed um, when you were 16, 17. What were the records that you basically got? I ended up breaking the squat, uh, bench. I did get the deadlift. Actually, no, I didn't get the bench. I got the squat, the deadlift and the total record. I never got the bench. I held the bench record for one attempt. Mm -hmm. And then this girl from Finland who was invited to a Oceana event, she got it from me straight after. Oh, damn. So, yeah, I, I and got she's it. from Finland. Yeah, so they, they ended up inviting, like, internationals to certain comps. And this girl was her last year. It was my second last year as uh, under 18. It was her last year. Ah, uh, okay. So they invited her to break the record, which she did. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she beat it from me. Fair enough. But, yeah, I got a 182.5 squat in competition. Yep. I got a 112-kilo bench in competition. Mm-hmm. And then I got a 200 kilo deadlifting competition. Yeah. I think that total was 485 or 487, but my best overall total was 492. So I got yep. very close to that 500 mark. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I think the the deadlift record has been broken. Yep. But with the records and stuff, like that was secondary to the title. Yeah. Like for me, it was always about the titles. The records were just like along the way. Yeah. So in terms of the titles, tell me more about these titles. What what was more important to you? The titles were just more or less like, you can always break records, but someone's always going to break them after. That's what records are there for. And if, if someone's not breaking them, I don't think the sport would be progressing. Or yeah. like, obviously there's politics around that as to why people aren't breaking the records. Yeah. 
um, because I think there's always a way that people will do it. They can hold them for a long time, but some will always break them. But no one can come up to me and be like, I've taken your two-time world championships away. Yeah. Like, but they can tell me that my records are gone. Yeah. So that, that actual entitlement from there was way more important to me. And that's something that I always looked after. Mm. And like, it was always about placings and achievements and stuff like that. Yep. Um, cause yeah, the, the records and stuff, they're temporary. Um, yeah. I think the, the biggest or the, my favorite placing wasn't even internationally. It was at my last year of competing in 2017. Mm. I did open nationals in Australia. Yeah. And myself and my friend Yani, uh, I was a under 18, she was under 23. So I was a sub junior, she was a junior. Mm-hmm. We came, well, she came first, I came second. Uh, she beat me by like 10 kilos yep. um, on the total, but no opens won. Uh, so we beat all the opens wow um and then to this day like i my my last total that i did in competition still leaves me seventh in australia like wow. yeah without even like going to it so that that sort of achievement from like you know you're, you're versing people in the same age and weight category at worlds and stuff like that but yep. to, be, to verse people who have been lifting for a longer 10, period of time years, yeah. and just cream them was the best <laughs> yeah. yeah that's bad and so officially you're a two-time ipf world champion yeah and you're also the first female junior to bench 100 kilos yeah first female to go back to back i think the yep. only male to do that as well was uh jp kalki so five Trong on instagram yeah um he did back to back in his junior years mm-hmm. and then i was the first female to go back to back world championship yep and also the 100 kilo bench first yeah just female. the youngest person in australia to bench 100 there you go. yeah at least in my knowledge if anyone yeah, yeah has anything if anyone that, wants to dispute yeah, beth can dispute you that. can find her at breakthrough fitness and yeah. fight her so you can also it. check my drug test as well on the Asada <laughs> website well yeah well, how about drug testing was that a big thing for you were people like dude yeah. this chick is not like she's not natural <laughs> yeah not long after that first comp i had Asada knock on my door at 6 a.m in the morning no way yeah um and i had two really nice ladies my parents had already gone my i think they were working actually my dad was away for work and my my mum lives very early for work yep and i didn't drive at the time so these guys came in i, I they showed me their documentation i'm not gonna let like randoms in the house <laughs> yeah. they yeah. showed me the documentation and i rang my mom and i was like is this okay she's like you have to do it i guess like yeah. you know there's you have to do it if you decline then you get uh, denied from the next comp and yeah. sort of stuff they were at my house for ages and mm. um i ended up missing the bus to go to school oh shit <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was like, that was in, I was in year 11 for that. Yeah. Um, cause I didn't get my license till year 12 cause I was younger in the grade. Yep. And yeah, missed the bus, got to school and I took the documentation with me because I was like, I don't want to, you know, get in trouble. Ended yeah. up getting a detention for coming late. What? Yeah. Cause I was late for school. So that You're was like something, tested. yeah, that was something I can thank Asada for that I got a detention. <laughs> thanks Asada. Yeah. Thanks guys. But, um, no, I got drug tested four times yeah, right. over three years. Yeah. And so, all passed, obviously. Yeah, one at home and then three at comps. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, Cool. Cool. And in terms of drug testing, for those who don't know, um, well, from my knowledge, people watch you actually get tested. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's still discreet. Like, you, you just have someone assigned to you um, and they open all the stuff in front of you so you can see that it hasn't been tampered and you have to physically open it yourself, check that the seals are there, all that sort of stuff. There's a big process that they do. Because I was under 18, I wasn't allowed to get uh, blood tested. Uh, so that's only for over 18s. Yep. Um, even with parents' consent, they just don't do the blood test for the under 18s. But mm-hmm. they are, um, and they do do blood tests for a lot of the over 18s athletes, mainly out of competition. In competition, they kind of just want to get in and get out. Yep. So yeah, they um, they call you over once you're done. You're not allowed to leave their site. You're allowed to, you know, like go get your medals, but they have to watch you. That You mm. can't be out of their site. Mm-hmm. And you just got to like, you know, keep drinking water till you have to pee. They come with you. They show you all the stuff to do. Um, you got to sign a lot of stuff to do as well, which was kind of annoying, yep. um, especially like post comp. You just want to go do like, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You got to spend an hour doing like all this stuff, but like, yeah. you know, you get like used to it. And I think three of the four, no, in in Australia there was three testings and then one was overseas and i think two of the three in australia i had the same lady oh really so it's like it's, you got comfortable with it yeah it's, you're fine with it like you kind of <laughs> yeah. know there's a purpose of it i know yeah, they're not sure. just like testing me for the fun of it like yeah, they want to yeah, get yeah, their job sure. done and uh, like yeah. i want to get out of there so as soon mm. you kind of just do it it's it's over and done with yeah, but yeah. yeah like i respect the what they have to go through like drug testing is a big talk right now in powerlifting mm, uh, especially yeah. like overseas yeah. and i think the more that we can test that filters the sport a lot better like i'm all for like drug-free powerlifting yeah for sure um respectively if you want to do it elsewhere that's also fine yeah um but yeah i think within the demands of competing in a tested federation the more testing that we can do the better unfortunately it's just like very expensive to run so that's that's the hard part yeah you don't want to waste their time either because like 
they obviously got a lot of money that they're going through. They, these ladies have got to move on, all the guys as well. They've got to move on to their next job. So there's a lot of stuff around it, but we just need to make sure that's like abiding by the laws. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. And it's part of the sport as well. Like it, if you're competing in a natural competition, like it, yeah. there's got to be some sort of drug testing involved. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. yeah sure. Cool. Awesome. So moving on from when you were 16, 17, going into your junior, did you compete in, the, in as a junior? Or I just never competed as a junior. Ah, yeah. So okay. my last comp was, uh, my last comp as a sub junior, which was the Open Nationals. Yep. And then that whole lead up to that comp, I was having hip issues to the point right. where like I, I couldn't sleep. Um, wow. Physios, I wasn't at the right physio at the time. Okay. Um, they weren't really helping. Uh-huh. I won't name names. Um, but yeah, it was just... People with the wrong intentions who offered to help me but didn't really know what was going on mm. and they took advantage of that. Yeah, right. And um, you were young too. Yeah, and it's hard because like at the time like I just really wanted to feel better. Yeah. Like I just really wanted to get and the job was to get to the platform for most of those occasions. Yeah. And then a lot of personal stuff happened um, after that comp, along with feeling injured and tired and all that sort of stuff. So you're burnt out, basically. Very burnt out. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the personal stuff went on. Like one of my friends got diagnosed with cancer, and that was pretty hard. Um, mm. And I just stopped competing uh, or stopped training because I was down there. Like well, she was in Melbourne. Um, I was down there. I just wanted to like be there with her and support her and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And I wasn't training as much down there. I was training maybe like three days a week. That's about it. But no like program or anything? Or no, I just off program everything. Yeah. And then by the time I got back to the gym, like everything had just changed. Like my, my head just changed. I, I wanted to enjoy life after school. I needed to get a job. I needed to support myself and yeah. all this stuff. And just the values very much shifted from winning to just keeping my head above Surviving, water. Surviving, yeah. yeah. And like just doing what I need to do. Like my parents have always been supportive and like I'm still at home with them now, but like I pay my way with food and stuff like that as yeah. well. And you want to be um, independent as well, obviously. Well, yeah, like I didn't want to depend on them. I didn't yeah, want to exhaust their resources as well. Like I want them to be able to enjoy their own money as well. So yeah. it was like, uh, yeah, I got, I got a job. I was working at Rebel Sport and just trying to like figure out what I actually want to do because that's... I thought powerlifting would be a bit longer than that and then when I got back I just couldn't pick it back up where I was mm. and I was injured as well still. Yeah. And yeah, I just I just started working full time to pay some bills, travelled a bit. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I travelled overseas in twenty eighteen my friend convinced me to go to DEFCON overseas. <laughs> yeah, so nice. I, I travelled over there and I had to borrow I had some money, yeah. but I had to borrow some money at the time and I I like I borrowed it from my parents. Mm. My mum was like, if I give you this money to go travel and do what you want to do, when you come back, you have to do something. Yeah. So uh, before I went away on that trip, I signed up to be a like personal trainer, so at three and four. I was like, look, yep. if it's something that I can do for now and support myself with, that's that's always going to be good. Like I was overthinking the whole situation. I was like, I need to do this forever. Whatever I choose now, I'm stuck with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, look, I'll just do it for now. Um, and my friend Jose also, Jose Gerardo, who owns X-Gym at uh, Bella Vista, mm-hmm. he also wanted to start coaching at the time. So we did it okay. together. That was the worst course I've ever done. <laughs> Straight up. The, uh, I, I can't believe the quality of this industry that is happening. And that's something that frustrates me entirely. But yeah, like, I think yeah, a lot of PTs say the same thing about the certain thing oh yeah. yeah and like the turnover rate is like the amount of pts that graduate is the amount of pts that leave per year in australia <laughs> like yeah. it's so bad yeah. anyway it's gonna be a pt um yeah don't listen to what you just if you want to be a pt <laughs> do it but you just expect less from your company <laughs> <laughs> yeah basically yeah yeah don't rely on that for your education yeah i definitely agree i i feel like when i did my pt course i was so not prepared to be a pt i was like like why did I just do that course yeah. I, I'm not ready to be a PT and so a lot of the stuff that I learned was from my own PT I was training with um, Vincent Chow yeah. um, at that time and he taught me a lot of stuff in terms of you know running my own business um, you know, actually working with clients and working with people and then it was just my own sort of upskilling in terms of you know looking towards people like um, I get a lot of my stuff from Eugene Teo yeah. Yeah, um, I think he's really good but yeah just like my own sort of research my own work but in terms of the actual course itself, it's just like... Oh, it's so numbing. I think yeah. the only thing t- good about that course is your first aid and your CPR is done on the spot. Um, <laughs> and then the certs that you get at the end, that's about yeah, it. That's about I, it. I, they go over everything so briefly yeah. um, and it's it's not good. So I think the only real thing to do, if you feel underprepared, which you should, yeah. like even I had <laughs> a fair so. bit of knowledge and I felt underprepared, yeah. just do it. Like just yeah. get in there and, mm-hmm. and choose a company that's going to support you. Like yeah. I know there's a lot of um, good companies out there 
Um, a lot of the any times uh, they got their own like staff development within yeah, there now, and yeah. I know like Prime Performance who does the Plus Fitness coaching, mm-hmm. they've got a really good entry level for yeah. PTs and stuff like that. But that's yeah. the only way you learn these days. Yeah, start making your own mistakes, that's learn it. from them, and learn from other people's mistakes. Hundred percent. Because yeah, unfortunately that that part of the system is so flawed. Yeah, yeah and I think you've got to be able to think independently and work independently as well yeah. as a PT it's very for me anyway I felt like it was very solo yeah um, the other thing also was that at the gym that I was at oh, the gym that I'm at now that I'm, I'm PTing at um, I was the only PT there yeah so when I first started there was no one to sort of talk to there was no one to really just learn from yeah um, and so all my shadowing was done with Vincent all my yeah, hours were done with Vincent and so for me it was just a lot of my own thinking my independent thinking and the good thing about any time, the any time that I'm with anyway, the MacArthur group was that they do have a very good PT development program yeah. and the PT managers there are very, very helpful. Um, the only thing that I wish was there for me was another PT to sort of shadow and follow. Yeah. Because I think you can actually learn a lot from, if, if you go with the right PT, um, you can learn a lot from shadowing and just learning from them and sticking around with them. Even if you work in hours that are free, it's better to get that experience and just learn yeah. than just you know go on your own and possibly be teaching the wrong things or doing the wrong things yeah i reckon even with those courses like if if your pt course is like three months which mine was cut that in half or like cut it in two thirds and spend a month just like shadowing someone as mm, part of the course that sure. would actually go such a long way definitely because um, yeah. people can either see what like I, they do it with teachers and stuff like that yeah, like exactly. they, you do work placement yeah um you should have to do work placement for this because like it's still people's health it's people's bodies it's, it's people's livelihood that you're dealing with every day yeah you can't have someone who's unsure uneducated or un- like unable to think critically as well that's yeah. a big one yeah if you can't make a decision on the spot that's for a good cause then that's the mistakes that you make will have an effect on other people yeah for sure yeah so. like you're, you're basically changing lives and if yeah. you're giving them the wrong information and bad information then you're changing their lives negatively rather than positively yeah, yeah cool Basically, with your transition into a coach then, um, you mentioned that you went overseas and your parents basically forced you to do something. Yeah. What was it like uh, starting as a PT? Was Breakthrough your first place? Breakthrough no, where we so are now? Or what was your yeah, journey, I guess, as a PT? The first place I worked uh, well, like in-person coaching was at Black Flag Barber Club in Castle Hill. Um, okay. They took me on. So I graduated the PT course in December. I think I did from... September 2018 to December 2018, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ended up just looking for a job and like the most perfect ad came up, uh, which was Powerlifting Coach Wanted in the Hills. Yeah, mad. And yeah, I went in there and I, I think there was a few people that, they, they were actually looking for an exercise, um, physi- like, exercise, exercise physiologist, yeah. yeah. Um, or even like a physio. And I said to them, I was like, look, I'm not that qualified. I've done my <laughs> certs, but I'm, I'm willing to learn. And like, they knew about like my powerlifting history and obviously that I had an interest in it, which I think caught mm. their attention. So did they know who you were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they already knew. I'd um, known Chris, the owner of Black Flag, because I'd been treated by his wife as a physio before. Okay. And I think yeah. I, I was treated by Chris once. Mm. Um, they helped me actually get to the platform for Worlds in 2017, okay. I think. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I already knew mm. the owner there and then he was willing to take a chance on me and mm. that was really good yeah. um i at the same time i kind of established the online stuff so i had yep. just mates that i coached kind of like for free just kind of like figuring out yeah. what works what doesn't yeah chris and vince at black flag they upskilled me so much they um taught me just how to interact with people which i think is a really good thing because all these people now they're coming out of um like their pt school or whatever they're doing and they just want to be online coaches yeah but they don't know how to talk to people yeah, they yeah, don't know yeah. how to connect with people and you mm. have to be reactive even with online coaching you have to be reactive to a situation yeah, but for, sure. for the good yeah so they, they taught me a lot just about interaction and different skill levels as well like dealing with um people from a rehab point of view mm-hmm. um and just understanding basic human function and yep. that there's no need to rush adding load and weight and resistance and all yeah, that sort of sure. stuff I'm forever grateful for what they did for me there because yeah that that put me in a position where I just wanted to learn more and more yeah um, and I kind of needed to because we had such a diverse range of people at that gym it was mm-hmm. people who came in from like car accidents and like physio point of view yeah, right. all the way up into like like athletes that are competing at a national level yeah um, and you had to be able to cater for everyone in between that and everyone at the core of it just wanted to move better whether it was for strength or was just walking or whatever it may mm. be so yeah the need to upskill came from them we had a lot of like development um like sort of like meetings uh, and we kind of spoke about and i think they they actually learned a little bit from me because i still had that like history of like hypertrophy and bodybuilding that i really oh, mad. To, yeah yeah so just different sort of outlooks and views on things and mm. even they have mentioned to me just the the mindset around um talking to people at a high level like athlete level or something like that mm-hmm. 
um, the competitive side of things. I, I, I reasoned with them about like how to connect with them and all that sort of stuff. Okay. So we, we like, I, I like to think that I gave back a little bit in terms of that yeah. sort of side of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I ended up online coaching. I went overseas again in 2019. Um, so I got hired at the start of 2019. I went overseas halfway through again, went to DEFCON, had my fun, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, Let's not talk about that too much. We'll just yeah. <laughs> skip over it. Um, <laughs> No, like, it was good though. I got to go around Europe and stuff. Yeah, and, no, like, it was bad. a good kind of break before I knew that I was going to switch up into coaching like full time. Yeah, uh, I was like, I'm going to spend this month. I'm going to like, I went to like seven countries or something like that. Six countries. By yourself? No, no. I had like um, a few friends with me. Like okay. they came and uh, left at certain points of the trip. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, look, I'm going to go on this trip, come back and I'm going to switch it on. And on that trip, I actually met someone who was my first paying client. Wow. Um, I was standing next to him at a crowd and then he was like, oh, I live in Sydney, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He ended up really liking gym and training and mm. he started paying me. Um, that was my first paying client. Did you like pitch to him? Was he just like, oh. No, yeah. he was like, I'm ready to go. Like, you seem cool. Like, I just spent like a few weeks with you or a few days yeah. with you. Like, let's get going. Bad. Um, so yeah, instantly from that trip, I, I, I just started. Like, that's where I got output, like set up straight away. Yep. Um, started to gain a little bit more confidence in my coaching, got new people. I think I had about five online and I was still working at Black Flag as well. Mm-hmm. And then 2020 rolled around and I all of a sudden started like upskilling myself into like this new niche of like anatomy and just understanding yeah. like muscle orientation, joint function, mm-hmm. uh, like muscle fiber direction, all this sort of stuff. And yeah. like being able to take some knowledge that I had very little understanding of. And now I could probably like, I, well, I started to view training as like problem solving yeah. um, because you could you could have this foundation, this base of knowledge, and then you can apply it to almost any issue that someone has mm. as long as you do it properly. Yeah. And from there, like I started actually getting a lot of um, new clients, which was crazy. So awesome. yeah, I recently, so that, that the start of 2020 as well, that's when I got the job here at uh, Breakthrough. So for the better part of last year, other than the COVID lockdown, I was doing the online coaching, which was full on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working here for just eight hours a week. Yep. And then I was working at Black Flag for 17 hours a week. And Black Flag, were you, what were you doing at Black Flag? One-on-one or what was that like? Just a small group sort of training environment. So okay. you, you instead of it being like a one-on-one where you're like constantly talking to someone, holding their hand, all that sort of yeah. stuff, you give them the advice that they need, you watch their set, you move on. And so right. you don't like waste too much time. And that's how we got around to more people as well. So right, we made sure that okay. we were getting to everyone because we could have like upwards of 20, 30 people on the floor yep. and two coaches at the best of times. Yeah. So it was kind of like, okay, well, if we've got the um, the people here that need to keep going around to each single lift, mm. we need to give you what you need to hear and then we're going to move on and we're going to keep right. coaching you from a So distance. you're just on the floor. People would come and train yeah. and then you're just on the floor coaching people and yeah, stuff. Yeah, just rebounding off everyone. And that yep. was the thing. Like you never okay. knew who was going to be in there at the time. There was yeah, definitely right. the usual people, but there yeah. was also a lot of like newcomers or like uh, especially towards the later months at Black Flag, there's a lot of new people coming through. Mm. So you always just have to be reactive to the situations and you have yeah. to balance like a lot of people at once with yep. like new people and mm. like different entry levels and different um, and abilities, to and, different yeah, injuries. Yeah, yeah, it's so much. Um, But that's the sort of stuff like the small group environment I think is really beneficial because other than that, you're also by by nature just creating a community. Yeah. Because when you're not talking to them, someone else is talking to them. Yeah. And so that just builds up a community in that gym. So Mm. we're trying to build that here at Breakthrough as well. Yeah. Um, It just got to the point where the online's just outweighed it. Uh, a lot more and I had to start focusing on my own business yeah. um, so I, I div- like switched paths from Black Flag into focusing on my onlines mm-hmm. and yeah like now my online is a full time job like I would spend awesome. uh, some check in days upwards of 6-7 hours checking in with people wow I have different service levels. So I have like the weekly check-in, which is the ultimate sort of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also got just like the ongoing coaching, which they get a call every month. Yep. Um, they're getting check-ins with me three times a week though. And now like through my business system. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it's, it's just been full on. I have a lot more time to upskill myself, which is important as well, because I think if like, obviously we know that the, the system is flawed with the, the entry level. <laughs> yeah. um, if you're not upskilling yourself because studies on the body are always changing and abilities of the human mm, performance sure. training and, and like, evolution as well we don't yep. see it happening but it is happening yeah um, and if you're not up to date with the current abilities of human function or at least trends in data in society mm. um, you're not going to go far as a coach so you yeah. need to be current that's that's the one thing that i can't stress enough so sure. like upskilling myself is so important yeah whether it's like business i've done business courses i've done like mentorships with that mm-hmm. um i try and steer more into like the anatomy of the body sort of stuff because yeah. that's always applied like that's Definitely. always something i'm going to deal with mm. um doing my taxes is something that i kind of worry about later but like, you know, <laughs> no need to save that's what else gets you accounted yeah one time a year i think about that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like just uh, the um the upskilling is so important to me right now and having more time to do that it directly affects the people that I interact with because yeah. I get to initiate better conversations mm. or start a different thought path or anything like that. Yeah. 
affects my clients because they get a better quality service or they For get sure. something a little bit more individualized towards them or mm. at least I get to know their body a little bit better. Yeah. Um, also just interactions, like being able to talk to a physio and actually understand what they're saying about the yeah. body. Um, very underrated skill because I think at any point someone's going to have to see a physio if you can't mm. interact with them and you can't work with a physio, your client's mm. not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the upskilling is the main focus because yeah, the, other than that, I can't. I don't know if I'll be coaching like all the way in my life. Mm. I would like to steer towards education, okay. but to pass on, you have to live and learn first. Yeah, so for sure. that's the point that I'm at now. I just yeah. have to keep absorbing everything where yeah. I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk more about your mindset as a coach then. Um, what do you see as your role in terms of helping a client with their training? Where do you see yourself uh, in their sort of training and what sort of perceptional perspective do you have about that? Yeah, so when I first started, I used to think that I needed to control every sort of aspect of their training and tell them what to do and how to do it and not really uh, show them why. And right. that's something that I've learned, obviously you can see on my show right now, like why's and how's. Yeah. Um, it's something that I've diversified away from and it's become a lot more of a nurture role. Yeah. Um, being in a position where I am online, I have the luxury of people coming to me. Um, and they already have a good idea of what I do because of the the product that I put out and like yeah. either my clients' results or the information I'm putting out on like Instagram is like my website. Yeah, it's kind of like my blog style sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so they have a good idea of what I'm capable of sharing and teaching already from that point. But I think the nurture thing is something that people are taken back from, and it's something that separates coaches in the industry as well. Is how well can you nurture someone uh, who wants to be there and wants to train. Because you've got these people who could be so talented, but they don't want to be there. Mm. And if you're not nurturing the part of them that's that's enjoying the process, then yep. they don't want to train. And the, all the talent in the world is yeah. not going to... You can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So the nurture role is, is much more important to me right now. And just making sure that if someone comes to me, I understand what they're doing because they have the, the why behind it. Not so much like how they want to get to their goals. It's like, why do you want to achieve these goals? The pre-screen process that I use for that, it's very in-depth. I I ask a lot of questions that are open-ended and I ensure that before I even get them to sign up to anything, I know that I'm in a position to help them and I know that they're in a position where they want to be helped. That's a big thing. Like It's got to be that two-way street. And I I always emphasize that to my clients where like I can only help you if you help yourself. Your check-ins are your accountability, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, So yeah, just just being able to come, have someone come at whatever level that they are it doesn't have to be advanced it can be intermediate i have beginner athletes who have never done powerlifting before um so just having people come at that level and i can understand why they want to do this and why they want to achieve those goals yeah we can better communicate to push towards that that's the mm. most important part have you ever had to deal with a client who is like yeah i'm so keen so keen but the actions don't really yeah yeah <laughs> yeah a lot yeah um there's a few clients um the most of the time it can be solved with a simple conversation yeah um there's a few clients that have expectations about what i'm capable of doing which may not actually be true like whether they've made that up in their heads or things that i might have said might be misleading and Mm. upon those uh situations i've reflected the best that i can to ensure that my service is uh better for it yeah but yeah there's there's usually the conversation being like okay well i'm only capable of doing so and so if you you know meet me halfway here we can yeah. actually achieve this sort of stuff but you haven't been able to check in consistently mm. uh, consistently or you haven't been able to send me all these camera angles consistently how do you expect me to coach you if yeah. i don't yeah yeah um so yeah nine times out of ten i would say a simple conversation does fix that and if you explain to them again the why 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 i coach and why i can help you mm. they will typically understand how we're okay. going to do it then yeah where like, some people there's like that one case says they, they just they don't want to see reason unfortunately yeah. and then those people they find their own way whether they yeah. find another coach who better understands them or they mm. have a better connection with like yeah, coaching sure. there is there very much needs to be a connection yeah um so look if, if people like move on they find a better connection with someone at the end of the day they're still training they're still moving and talent's not being wasted that's the most important part yeah and so i guess in the next few years what do you see yourself in terms of your own training and um, do you see yourself competing again? Uh, what's the plans for the next few years? Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously since I stopped training in 2017, the focus was rehabbing and getting back to um, at least understanding how my body moves. Mm. And recently this year, I felt confident enough in my abilities and had done a few cycles on and off um, without as much injury or without as much um, aggravation, I guess, um, in the muscles. So. I uh, recently reached out to Tom Haynes, who is a coach in Sunshine Coach, and I'm doing online training or online coaching with him. Um, he's awesome. He's an exercise physiologist, um, but he also does like powerlifting and very much interested in that. So doing a lot of, I'd say like not PRI sort of like exercises, but definitely like left field exercises to try and sort out some imbalances, 
structurally yeah. and like because he knows that I have the ability you've got like structure and function function is your ability to apply cue or correct yourself he knows that I have that function but sometimes mm. the structure only lets you down so fast there's yeah. certain imbalances that I have like naturally internally rotated hips the shoulder stuff from throwing broke my ankle many years ago um, all this stuff that's popping up now which we're just trying to like smooth out all the creases um, mm. and then hopefully that'll put me in a position where I can compete again I would love to be able to do it um, but I'm, I'm not in a position to have expectations. Yeah, right. Um, the situations and the circumstances are different from when I was competing. So it's mm. all just figuring it all out again, what balance like, works yeah. well, how many training days I can do, how my work schedule fits around that. Mm. Um, and, and when you're a competitor, you have to be so selfish. And yeah. when you're a coach, you have to be selfless. Yeah. So it would have to be like a certain time where it's not stressful with work yeah. or like I'd have to like very much reconsider my values at that time. Yeah. And like, at least my stress relief or like free time to be able to focus on myself. Um, there's a lot of things that I'm just trying to figure out right now. So ultimately yeah. like whatever direction starting to take that training goes in, I'm happy to go along for the ride. Mm. Um, but yeah, I can't see myself doing like too much in the very near future. Like at the moment, again, just trying to better understand how I move, uh, fix a lot of the things that are still happening over time. If I compete again, I compete again. I'd love to. Yeah. Like only this year I have started to like powerlifting again. Okay. Um, I was very turned off it for a while just because oh, really? like, yeah just like the the whole experience that I had where like I was just mad about how it ended and it was a lot <laughs> of like internal stuff I was just like so frustrated that yeah. I went from being so good at something than like incapable of laying down in bed without pain so I was, do like, you how think that was it? a really big downfall in my mind it was it was probably overly dramatic <laughs> I was in a look I was in a position where I could still like I'm still alive yeah. I could still do things like other people are not as fortunate so you yeah. know like in my mind it was the worst thing that's ever happened to me yeah. um, but you know in the reality and like in hindsight now like whatever you, you just lost interest and you got hurt like that shit sort of happens to everyone Yeah. but yeah I mean like I was just frustrated overall with that whole like time and I think for now it's just more or less making sure that I don't get into that uh, negative space again and it comes mm. a lot down to like how I talk to myself or how I approach training sessions and making sure that no matter what I'm doing like I don't say that has shit set I say like you know I could have done this better or like mm. that was good or trying That's to right. highlight the positives because especially when you're online coaching yeah. you, you don't have your coach there all the time or yeah, you don't have sure. someone with you so you have to be very objective and you have to you know you actually have to acknowledge the bad things you can't just focus on the good things yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, there's certain ways that you can round about that and make sure it's not so negative instead of and it's the mindset it's the approach it's how you talk about yourself it's how you think about yourself because the, the qualities that you display every day about how you talk to yourself that builds a rhythm and a pattern into how you actually do yourself mm. um, so I think it's very important to give myself that respect along this process and hopefully I'll find myself in a much better position maybe not as competitive as I was because like I, the 84 kilo girls are just nuts right now like it's like I would not win I'm telling like even if I tried really hard yeah I don't think I have the ability to do you that. reckon oh man like Amanda Lawrence squatting 260 kilos <laughs> <laughs> no way but yeah, I laugh yeah. at that I laugh at that I remember yeah. like she was just coming up with Daniela Mello when I was competing. How, how much older are they from here? Amanda's a few years older. Daniela's yeah. a year and a half older. So they're not that much older than you. Yeah. Um, and like, I remember that those girls were coming out of nowhere, like just went at the back end. And Daniela was at my second Worlds. Yep. And I got to meet her there and say hi and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, in my mind, like, I can't wait to beat these girls. I'm, I was like, whoa, like, I would not beat these girls. <laughs> like, no way. I'm not yeah. even like close. They, um, like, I don't know their circumstances. Like, they're probably still working. I know, like, Daniela studies full time and, like, she's got her own uni stuff that she's upskilling herself towards. And obviously, she supports herself as well. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't really know Amanda that well. Like, I've never really met her. Yeah. Um, but I can only assume that <laughs> she's just so committed to something that I'm kind of like just trying to find enjoyment about. Yeah. Um, but uh, the exception is that uh, I think the the girls right now who are competing consistently, they're also just defying so many odds within the sport for women. Like they're ranked uh, competitively, they're tested athletes that rank with the not natty girls, and like that that in itself is such a feat because yeah. like the standard of lifting right now is so high, and I would yeah. only really hope to be like even at like a elite level within this country again like one day because at the moment like i'm okay like yeah i'm, I'm okay like I'm, I'm definitely not what i was yeah i could only hope to be like as competitive or as like driven as they are because the, what they're doing is nuts it's yeah. crazy for the sport yeah. people will not forget those girls either like no it's it's one of those things like it's like it's like eddie hall equivalent for a female like amanda lawrence is actually crazy yeah yeah, yeah. it's it sort of like it's like it, Five years ago, you would never see someone like that. Or oh no! Like, like that. for someone, for a female to squat two hundred and sixty, you'd have to be like two hundred kilo body weight, and yeah. you'd have to be in wraps. 
And so like, what is she under? She's under eighty four and she's raw, like no, ne- like no wraps or anything. Like she, yeah, she squatted two sixty, like and wow. it, like it's unbelievable. And like yeah. even Daniela Mello, like she's squatting two forty, mm. deadlifting two forty, benching one forty, all crazy. this stuff. Like, yeah, these girls in that that weight class, are just like I don't know what happened. That weight class just like spiked up hard, That's and crazy. like it was it was just like this switch flicked, and like it's it's happening everywhere. Like yeah. it's not even those two girls. There's so many girls that kind of name, um, who just found that they could be like dice shredded at 84 kilos as well like mm. jessica, jessica butner oh my god <laughs> she's diced and she's like actually yeah. 80 kilos like she has abs and she's like the it's same crazy. body weight as me i'm like what it's like insane hell? and yeah. she's deadlifting 250 wow. it's just like these girls are crazy yeah. i like yeah. i it's it's actually crazy mm. and so for you when you compete again it's sort of like you look at that and you're like uh fuck <laughs> look who knows i i know that like if i start to see results i will switch that mindset again i don't know what will happen it, it's happened before yeah i had like a spur of like getting back into heavy lifting in 20 um end of 2019 i ended up getting back to like a 190 deadlift and okay. a uh, 115 bench mm. um i was doing a push pull comp but I, yeah. I didn't squat um okay as much i was squatting around like 130 was because like, of your hit Hip still was hurting, knee was hurting, but also yeah. it was a push pull comp, and like I just would rather push my deadlift harder. Yeah, I could see the results in that, and I was driven to like keep going, but mm. then I ended up getting a tattoo done. Uh, I got my whole back done, so I couldn't <laughs> train for six months on and off because six of, months. Yeah, it was like a session, and like actually uh, I was doing two sessions at, in March, yeah. but like December, January, February did a session every month. Uh-huh. Two sessions in March, and then I had to wait for COVID to end to do my last session. Right. Um, so it was like a lot of inconsistent training, couldn't get to the gym for a few days at a time. And then that kind of like fused out that drive that I had after that sort yeah. of stuff. Uh, okay. But it was also like elsewhere, something that I wanted to do for myself. And mm. I was very happy that I took advantage of the situation because that's something that I really want to do. Yeah. Um, which I don't regret at all. Like, yeah, like maybe I could have steamrolled a bit more momentum with mm. training, but I've wanted something for a while and that was something to do for me. It was yeah. something like what else, like outside training. Yeah. If you don't have anything outside training, like who are you really? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, like I, I know that I can switch on and I probably will switch on. I'm always competitive, but yep. like, I, I definitely know I'd have to work really fucking hard to get yeah. them, like <laughs> so yeah. hard. Yeah. And in terms of your training then and your mindset when it comes to training, um, I really like what you said about the way you think about yourself and not sort of saying that you had a shit set, but saying it in another way uh, and that sort of positive reinforcement. What would your best advice be to like your clients or to anyone listening in terms of training and um, yeah, more about mindset and how they view their training as well. What, what would you say to them? Well, yeah, I think like that, that's something that I teach to my clients as well. Just like how you talk about yourself is going to affect how you view yourself. Yeah. Um, I would say like, I don't know if you share the same experiences, but majority of my clients have some sort of disorder, either associated with fitness, either associated with how they look, associated with how they're eating. That's where they're training. Yeah. yeah. It, like a majority of them have something, and even if they don't know that they have something, mm-hmm. they have something. Yeah. And that's something that yeah. I identify. The, the main thing that I would say is treat yourself with respect and give yourself some slack. Yeah. Um, if something doesn't go your way or, or even if you do get injured or whatever it is, don't like get cut out straight away. Like mm. these things happen to everyone. Like even yeah. the top athletes get injured and they have Definitely. time off and things happen. The only thing that deters away is how they come back from that. Yeah. So if you make mistakes or if you get injured or anything like that, you, you just have to stay positive and you have to just look at everything, everything that you do. And if you have the right guidance, it should be data. If you have a bad training cycle, that's data that you and your coach have to now make a better cycle. Yeah. So there's always, as long as you're taking action upon these mistakes, all these um, occurrences, something better has to happen. Yeah. Um, and that's where like the having a, like someone guide you, whether it's a coach or a friend or anything like that, that's always really, really important. Um, but I think the next thing would be, again, just remember why you're doing it. Like, why do you want to come into the gym? Why do you want to do powerlifting? Like, and like, why are you so invested into something? If you can't understand why you're doing it, then your mm. results will never be yeah. what you want them to be. Yeah. I think what you said about diet is really interesting because I say that a lot to my clients as well. Um, like a lot of my clients are weight loss clients, right? And they're trying to lose weight. And I just say to them like, look, whatever you see in the scale, it's just data. Take that as data, as a data point, And there's no need to get um, you know, emotional about it or anything. Yeah. You got different data points as well. It's not just your body weight. And you know, there's how you look, how you feel. Those are all different data points as well. It may not be as easily measurable, but it's still definitely a data point that you should take into account whenever you're training. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely think for people who are training, especially new people, um, don't be too laser focused on any sort of one data point or whatever. Take into account how you feel, how you you know behave, or even outside of the gym, like you feel more energetic. That's that's a win in itself. And I think the power of small wins is is very very big. And I like 
I like to focus on that as well. Yeah, I think yeah. like weight loss is hard, man, because it's always like that subjective yeah. thought. Like there's there's always like how come that's gone up, how come that's gone down. It's like, hard to remove the emotions from it. Emotion with weight loss. I'm so glad I don't deal with that. <laughs> I'm so glad. Like <laughs> I stick to what I know. Like, yeah. Um, I think like there's there's so much reward out of encouraging people to do that but there's also very high risks and i spoke about the the physical effects of like mistakes as a trainer there's also physical effects and this ties into like weight loss and coaching as well as like how we talk to them yeah and you can't necessarily acknowledge mistakes as mistakes or a negative thing and if you tell something that they've, they've messed up or they've made a mistake that's yeah you can't talk like that to a client because yeah. that steamrolls a lot of negative or it develops then disorders as well exactly um it's very very like it's fragile you're always on the edge and yeah. like you, you can't say this you can't say that yeah. it's like yeah it's so fragile yeah. and like it's it's very hard to balance those things the best that like you said like the best we can do is just remind them that progress is data and that's like we take away all the emotions out of it and like we just have stuff to work with yeah and then like at least in my mind when people come to me who are like maybe like too attached to it i just try and like encourage them to do other things yeah um a lot of my clients they're like into like photography or stuff like that and like get them to pursue that sort of things or even throw themselves into work like really Mm. just like get around it like even go like if they're working in the city like go for drinks with your mates after work or something like that yeah like you know you can train on the weekend one day if you go for drinks on a friday night just train saturday you know yeah um just have something else outside of training is going to be really important because yeah. there will be a time when that training doesn't work. Yeah. And you gotta you got to make sure you have something else there for your yeah, mental yeah, health. Yeah, definitely. And I think people get caught in that trap where it's like, yeah, I have to train. I have to be at the gym all the time in order to get results. When, like, I, I have people who come to me um, who have just started or they've been training for a while and they're like, oh, I come to the gym like six, seven days a week and I still don't see results. Yeah. Like, mm, maybe that's why you're not seeing results. Um, and so it's just breaking those habits as well for clients or uh, people who have been training for a while but yeah how about yourself as a coach where do you see yourself in the next few years and what's the sort of plan you mentioned that you want to be more like an educator yeah. i think that's really awesome i think you you'd suit that role very very well um i can definitely see you in that role mm. um but yeah where do you see yourself in the next few years yeah i think like more recent times i just realized that i think i have much more to give in terms of just information to people rather than the actual interactions themselves like i i'll definitely pursue coaching for a very long time and i think i can see myself doing this for a while if it came to it i'm not opposed to going back to uni and becoming a physio like i would love to be able to help more people or at least like now like i'd have to make a post now and i have to preference it be like okay well this i believe this this is my beliefs this is you shouldn't take this like as law like you have to like preface it a lot yeah I would love to just like give them some facts. Like, just, <laughs> just straight up yeah, facts. This, like, is, this is correct. Because like, yeah. there's stuff that I post I know is better than some physios. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great physios and there's a lot of stuff I'm still learning. But there's some stuff that like I post I'm like, man, physios don't even know this. Like it's crazy. Or at least they're not posting about it. And like I'd love to be able to just help more people and have a bigger reach just by actually earning my way through. So you have, I'm a firm believer that you have to earn your way up. Like I'm not going to scapegoat physio yeah. and just start giving out information. Like I want to be like <laughs> yeah. in a position where legally I'm allowed to do it yeah, and also yeah. I've earned my way into For doing sure. that. Um, but I definitely recognize that I do not know everything. Like, yep. I, I, like, like I said to you, upskilling to me is so important. If I'm not upskilling at one time of the year, I need to make sure that I'm doing something else for my business or for my mindset or at least like enhancing creativity that's the main thing or being able to think even more critically i think critically as is but i need to think even more critically about situations look physio is something that i've played around with i don't know if like the owning a gym would just like that would be a dream but like it's financially just such a big dream to have for (laughs) for at least living in sydney like it's so crazy and like if i owned a gym or if I open a gym, I would want to own the space because I just want to do whatever I want to it. Yeah, right. Um, I don't want to rent and work it out that way. So right. th- I have like thoughts about how I would want to do it, whether mm. or not I pursue that. Um, but the educator role would be something that I'm very interested in because I think, mm. I, again, it's all about, for me, it's always about helping people. It yeah. actually will always been about that. Definitely. I never realized how much I actually wanted to help people until like I really got deep into coaching and I, I it didn't even feel like a hard job. Yeah, for but sure. I was balancing like the 40 hours a week work that I was doing and driving like three or four hours a day between this job and the other job and stuff like that. Yeah. It didn't feel like work and I was like, it only until like I burnt out, I was like, oh, okay. But I, I didn't realize how much I valued helping people and I think if I could reach more people, whether that's through education or through physio um, and who knows how the climate's going to be like, obviously everyone's saying like online is the go with all this like COVID stuff. However I choose to do that, I know that the underlying factor is that I want to make people uh, understand why they're doing things, how they're doing things, and what they're doing it for. Yeah. I think it's really awesome because you figured out essentially what you love to do and what you want to do, and you you figured out what you enjoy, and essentially what you can do from there is just bounce off 
what, where you can go from there. Yeah. And there's so many different pathways, like physio, um, PT and stuff, those different pathways. I think for a lot of people, you're 21 this year, 22. right? 22 this yeah. year. Uh, I'm 21 this year, and I think a lot of people our age are still trying to figure out what they actually like and, yeah. and enjoy. And people you know, went straight into universities right after high school, and they essentially thought, yes, I'll do like physio, or I'll do... like. Um, exercise science whatever yeah and essentially they feel stuck in their role now even yeah. people who do law and stuff so it's like what happened with me was when i got out of high school i actually went to university to study a bachelor of business um i finished that last year and so i did three years of that but now i'm i'm working as a pt full time yeah. like it's nothing to do with my degree um and for me it was just taking that risk and just taking that leap i essentially for me the journey was i competed in my first bodybuilding show um, and from there, I was like, if I can go through a bodybuilding show, and if I actually enjoy it this much, surely I could like help other people. Yeah, surely I yeah. could help other people do it, and surely like I would enjoy working as a PT as well. And, and that's what happened. Um, and essentially, I just rolled with it and took that risk. And I think a lot of people, um, especially younger people, they don't understand that right now is the perfect opportunity for them to just explore and just to figure out what they actually do enjoy. Yeah. And then once they can figure out that, then they can just live their lives doing what they love, doing what they enjoy. Even just understanding, like I said to you earlier, like you don't have to, what you pick now, you're not stuck with. Like, yeah, that's it. Just change it. And that, that knowing that is something that they don't actually teach in school. And they always just make it seem like what you pick is what you're stuck with. Yeah. yeah. But like I, even now, like uh, leaving my old, job at black flag like that was very much a security job like it was constant pay it was yep. constant hours set hours um always guaranteed work and like leaving that there was a big risk because now i'm for the most part self-employed mm-hmm. but if there was a time to make mistakes it's now like it's it's do all the mistakes now make all the risks now like obviously within reason like i'm not gonna you know borrow heaps of money and open yeah. my own gym now but yeah. i'm gonna invest in myself and back myself all the way and mm-hmm. provide myself more opportunities to do that yeah if I do that now and it's a mistake, then I have time because yeah. the only thing that we don't have is more time. Exactly, yeah. 100%. I love that. And even people, like I'm not even talking about 20 years, even people in their 30s and stuff, they're, 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 that's why people go through midlife crises, right? Because they go through half their lives doing a job they hate and essentially just do it to pay bills and then they get stuck with mortgages and their kids and stuff. Even if you're at that point, you still have the opportunity to, to still take risks. I think people are very risk averse these days and people are just staying away from taking these risks and essentially what they do is they just live their lives in misery. Um, and so I guess that's what Daily Hustle is part of as well, what I tried to do is with Daily Hustle as well. Um, it's to figure out what you love to do and just keep you know, hustling and keep doing it every day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I respect that because I mean, at least young people it's easy to get lost in a lot of other things as well like whether it's like social life or yeah. things that are happening and not so much obviously covid restricted a lot of things they're doing but even just like going out socially enjoying yourself like young people do get caught up in that yeah. to the point where it's a bit detrimental yeah if you're always like revolved around like the hustle i would say like if you're revolved around like the hustle and pushing yourself and backing yourself like yeah. it even the the mistakes that you make they're not going to be mistakes mm. like i said everything's data for sure mm. that's awesome yeah Awesome. Um, is there anything else that you want to say? Anything that you have, like any advice for um, anyone going into PT or into training or anything? Um, no, I think we, like, we touched it all up, like just making sure that you know why you're doing it and remember why you started and all the, the bigger picture that you have in mind. Yeah, the whys and hows, right? The whys and hows. That's, that's <laughs> all you know. You need to know the whys for the hows and vice versa. Yeah, um, awesome. But yeah, just making sure that you have an understanding of what you're doing, why you're doing it and the, the big picture that you have in mind. And don't put too much pressure on yourself. Mm. Just because other people are doing things, focus yeah. on yourself. 100%. Yeah. Everyone started somewhere. Yeah. Definitely. That's a big thing. Yeah, awesome. Mm. Cool. Well, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Um, here's um, your time to just yeah, sort of talk primarily, about Primarily, Primarily on Instagram. I don't really use Facebook or my website. My website's just like my... Just my, there. Yeah, there. <laughs> um, so, Output Strength Systems on Instagram. I think it's output.s.s. Um, I post up, uh, whether it's lifting tips, um, like even like accessory and isolation tips. That's something I'm really big on. Um, mindset, insight, and then obviously my client's results and stuff like that as well. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's, that's mainly where I'm at. Yep, cool. So find Beth at output.s.s at Instagram and you can follow us dailyhustle.apparel on Instagram as well or you can follow myself coventran.fitness. Um, you can also hop onto our website. Um, what's your website? Is it the same? Yeah, outputstrengthsystems.com. Outputstrengthsystems.com.au and you can find us daily daily-hustle.co. Um, awesome. It was really awesome talking to you. I'm really glad that we had this opportunity to sit down and chat. Um, yeah. No, thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Yeah.